Well, we've been in a little series lately called Different, and um, basically we've been talking about the different values of Summit Church, really, of what we believe in, to know God is primarily our number one goal here. And another value that we have here at Summit is to make impact. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but really we're going to talk about it in the context of vision. This is Vision Sunday every year, about this time we set aside kind of like a State of the Union address. We do like a State of the Church address in a sense, and we just kind of map out where we've been and map out where we're going and just kind of get on the same page. And I think that's important to do because vision is very, very important. I was, years ago, I was driving down the road, it was midweek, and it was a Wednesday night, and I just saw a church, uh, had the lights on, I said, well, I'm going to stop in and check out this church and maybe get to know that pastor. And so I did. And, and sure enough, uh, they were having uh, a little Bible study that night. It was a shotgun-type building with uh, windows on each side and a little couple doors in the front. You walk in a little short vestibule and then a couple more doors and then the sanctuary and the platform up front. They were, there were about 15, 20 people in there and having a nice little Bible study. So I stuck around, had a good time. So I said to myself afterwards, I'm going to stay and meet the pastor and get to know him and build a relationship perhaps. And so I did and we got to talking. And I asked him, I said, well, pastor, tell me, I'd love to hear, uh, do you, what's your vision for the church here? Do you, any kind of vision that God's laid on your heart? Oh, I got vision. I'm like, yeah, all right. We got a live one right here. This one's on the line. What vision? You got vision. I love to hear your vision. Yeah, man, I tell you. I'll tell you my vision, but my people don't like my vision. Uh, they're fighting me, Pastor. They're fighting me. Uh, well, I understand. You know, sometimes, you know, leadership is challenging and it's so hard sometimes to get everybody on the same page. But, you know, with God's grace, we can do it. I don't know, man. They're not getting on the page with this one. I'm like, well, Pastor, I really, I'm like, what in the world is this vision? This must be like amazing. I said, Pastor, I'm, I can't wait for you to tell me what is your vision? And so he says, see those windows there up and down this building here in the sanctuary? I said, yes, sir. My vision is to paint those things black. And I chuckled a little bit and kind of laughed. I thought he was kind of playing with me a little bit. And I, I was like, <laughs> okay. And he just kept looking at me. I said, uh, so that's, uh, that's your vision? To paint the windows black? Yes! And they're fighting me. They don't want those windows black. I said, well, I gotta ask the question, why would you wanna paint the windows black? Because while I'm preaching, they're looking out the window and I'm tired of them being distracted. So we're just gonna paint them black. <laughs> I said, okay, well, we'll see how that goes. Well, I didn't know what to say. I did not, I was without words. And so I, I just kind of pat him on the back and told him I was glad to meet him. And I was leaving, driving down the road and I felt the Lord just thunder in my spirit and said, that's exactly what's wrong with my church is because I'm trying to get them outside the building and look outside the building, but they just want to look inside the building. How many know our vision must be bigger than what's going on here? It's gotta be bigger. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. And they're dying to come here. I've told somebody one time, they, they just said, uh, how big's your church? I said, oh, about 40,000. Eyes got big around. I said, yeah. Our, our community's about 40,000 or bigger. You know, it's growing. And uh, I consider all of them my, my sheep. I, they just don't know that uh, I'm their pastor yet. We're, but we're figuring it out. I look at everybody as a potential person that... Um, is gonna be in the church or loving Jesus somewhere else. I think we need to make impact wherever we go. And, and we do that by Proverbs 29, verse 18, having vision. Where there is no vision, the word in Hebrew for the word vision is the word divine communication. Where there's no divine communication happening between you and God, us and God, where there is no vision, what happens? The people will perish. It doesn't say where there's a lack of money, there's going to be a perishing of people. Where there's a lack of relationships, there'll be a perishing. 
where there's a lack of opportunities or resources, there will be a perishing. It doesn't say that at all. It says where there's a lack of what? Everybody say it together. One more time. Where there's a lack of vision, the people perish. Vision is absolutely necessity for your life. You have to have vision. You have to have vision for yourself. You have to have vision for your family. You have to have vision for your spouse. You have to have vision for your job. You have to have vision for your career. You have to have vision for your health. You have to have vision for your church. We have to be a people that are constantly living with vision in our lives. Helen Keller, the great hymn writer who is actually blind, was asked one time about her condition And she said, well, the only thing worse than being born blind is being born with sight, but not having vision. Vision has to keep growing inside of you. You may have had a vision to be married one day, and now that you're married, you don't have any more vision. Or you had a vision to have kids, and then you're like, why did I have that vision? I, have, I must have been on drugs, all right? What was happening to me? I'm playing, I'm playing. If you had a vision to uh, get that job, you got the job, and now what's the vision? Vision has to continually grow. It has to expand. It has to enlarge. The Bible talks about wineskins, and you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because old wineskins do not expand. They don't enlarge. They're not flexible. You have to put new wine into new wineskins because new wineskins will grow with it. God is a God who is obviously a God of vision and his vision is constantly expanding and enlarging in our lives. True story, the Puritans came over from the Europe area, England area, and they traveled over 4,000 miles through the ocean to get here and landed in the Northeast, many of you know, and man, they lost lives, they were sick, they, some were um, heartbroken over the losses that they experienced, they gave up everything to come here, they gave up their, their, their finances, they sold their homes, they said goodbye to families, not knowing if they'd ever see them again, just to come, experience freedom, and a new world, something that they had no idea what it was even gonna look like or be like, and they traveled over 4,000 miles to get here, finally got here. And the first year they were here, they spent that year making a community, building their homes, their town. The second year they were here, they nominated uh, their leaders, their city officials. The third year, the city officials came together and the leaders of the community and decided it would be a good plan to build a road five miles into the wilderness because they were surrounded by wilderness. The fourth year, the city removed the leaders from their leadership position because they wanted to build a road five miles into the wilderness and they said, we have no need for a road five miles into the wilderness. It's interesting to me that the same group of people could venture with all the faith and courage that a man could imagine over 4,000 miles across an ocean into an unknown world. But once they get settled into a spot, do not have enough vision to go five more miles into a wilderness. You may have had vision last year or 10 years ago or whatever and possibly have lost the vision or your vision or need a renewed vision, a revised vision. We want to talk about vision for just a few moments because it's so important to our lives. You've heard me say, let me just say it from a church perspective, because I'm talking to us as a church, as a group of people, a body of believers. I've said it, I will continue to say it. How do we know Because if you make a goal or a vision and you don't have metrics or a way of measuring your goal, then really you don't have ever a way to know if you've accomplished it or not. I like to think that if we as a church have come together and have made such a significant impact in our community, that we have touched lives beyond measure, there is not a person around that has not been affected by some measure, by our faith, by our witness, by our testimony, by our good deeds and works, 
that, that, that if we were to lock our doors and for somehow, some way we were to get up and be evacuated as a church and go to a different part of the nation or the world and Summit Church no longer existed, the way we know whether we've been successful or not and being what God has called us to be is if they were not people banging on the doors and city officials calling us by their name and number, begging us whatever it takes to get us back because they can't imagine a community without us in it. That is when you know you've been the church that God's called you to be. That's a good place to clap right there. That's a good amen spot. Hey, listen, if you're a first-time visitor, we are so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. But we want you to know that we're not here just to take up space. But we believe we have a a mission and a vision and that there's an impact that we're supposed to make together, collectively, and individually. And that's our, we we will not settle until that happens. And we believe it's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. In fact, just a a few weeks ago, we had a lady, there's a lady in our community uh, who has a deadbeat son and her yard is absolutely uh, trashed out. All sorts of things in her yard, broken down things, weeds, bushes, shrubs, everything just taken over. And one of the city officials had one of his jobs is to go to this house and to find this lady who has no money and not only to find her, but if she doesn't deal with this situation to evict her and he did not want to do this. He, he knew that this was a good woman, just had a, a, a bad spot in the road, and he did not know what to do. And so you know what he did? He called, he called Summit Church and said, would you please have it in your heart to help this lady get her yard cleaned up so we don't have to evict her? And Summit Church stepped up to the plate and did exactly that. That's when you know you're starting to make a difference because even city officials are calling going, we can't help, but maybe the church can. Maybe God's people can. Maybe the people that believe in God and love one another as Christ loves the church can help in this situation. Maybe we should call the church. Yeah, yeah, I'll just be honest with you. I'm looking forward to the day when the city council is about to make a major decision, but first they said, before we make this big decision, let's call some of the pastors that are making an impact in our community and get their opinion first before we make this decision. That's gonna be the day. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be happening. So Summit Church, what's Summit Church? Summit Church is a dream room. Welcome to the dream room. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a dream room. Come on. All things are possible with God. There's nothing that God can't do. Welcome to the dream room. I'm going to talk to you, give you eight little aspects about vision this morning. And then we're going to show you a video, a couple of video clips. And we're going to pray. We're going to go home. Vision. Vision needs a person, obviously. Can't have anything done without people doing it. So my question is, does your jar have enough room for God's vision for your life? Do you know, truth, truth is that sharks, you can put, a lot of people have, uh, you know, aquariums in their homes or in their businesses, and you can put an eight-inch shark in an aquarium, and that eight-inch shark will stay eight inches long. You could take that shark and put it in the ocean, and that eight-inch shark will grow to be eight feet long. Because your environment determines how big you're going to be. And we're determined to be a place where we have a big environment, where we dream big, big, big dreams, and we speak and and by faith declare big, big things in order for God, who is a big, big God, to do big, big things in the community in which we live. Come on, it's time to get out of the tank and get in the ocean. Come on. We're here to swim with the big dogs. So the question is, do you have an environment that allows for vision? Do you know that vision makes you stand out? People that see other people with vision are like, what's different about that guy? He talks different. He speaks different. He he lives different. People with vision stand out. And people with vision are hard to find. 
Because many people just live their lives day by day, moment by moment. The only thing they look forward to, their only vision is what, what party, who's going to have the next party at whose house on the weekend? Or what bar are we going to hit up, you know, after work? That's as far as their vision goes. Now, I, w- I want you to know that God has big plans, long-range plans, and he's calling us to join him and join hands with him and walk this thing out. There's a little boy, he was down by the beach, and he was... He was picking up starfish and throwing them into the ocean. There was, the beach was full of starfish. As as far as the eye could see, just starfish had come ashore, washed ashore, and were dying on on the beach. And this little boy was picking them up and chucking them back into the ocean. And and a man was up on his porch drinking his coffee, an old fella, and he's watching this little boy doing that. And he was just just kind of snickering. And finally couldn't take it anymore. And the old man came down with his cup of coffee. He says, son, what in the world are you doing? Look up, up and down as far as you can see. There's starfish. And, and, when, and you think you're going to make a little bit of difference by throwing these starfish into the ocean? And that little boy looked up at that, sir. He picked up a starfish and he said, Mister, I don't know about all that, but I know I can make a difference to this one. Listen, you can't get over well. You watch news long enough, you won't, you'll lose any vision you have. So you got to take it in little pieces at a time. But you live your faith and you go, you know what? I may not be able to change the whole world, but I can change one person. I can change two people. I can change a few people around me. One person at a time. That's right. And parents, let me tell you something. You got you to dream big dreams. And you got to let your kids know what vision looks like. They need to hear you talking about what you want, what you're believing for in the days and years to come. I'm not talking about even just financial things or materialistic things. I'm just talking about things that, you know, have spiritual value. And they need to hear you dream and talk about them. They need to hear you dream and talk about how one day you're going to go on a short-term mission trip. And they need to hear you dream about how you're going to adopt a child, you know, from another country or maybe even this country and, and how you're going to live your lives for the Lord. And, 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 they, and then when they come and grow up, guess what they're going to do? They're going to become people that dream as well and have vision as well because they saw practice with mom and dad. And, and, and when they come to you and they tell you that they want to be the first person to walk on Mars, you better not laugh at them. But in fact, you better smile at them. You better pick them up. You better give them a high five and a big hug and go, man, that's what I'm talking about. Let's dream, baby. Let's dream. Because it wasn't too awful long ago that someone would say, you'll never fly. And after that, you'll never go to the moon. And how many know all these people that are naysayers don't like people that dream, don't like people with vision. So you as a parent need to go, yeah, let me tell you something. There's a story in the Bible about a little boy. He was in his teens. He was just a shepherd. But God called him to be a king. And before long, he became a king. And there was another lady and she was a nobody and she was uh, just doing her housework and all of a sudden she won a beauty contest and she ended up saving a whole nation from its genocide plot and then there was a little boy he had five loaves and two fish and guess what God used that little boy to to feed a multitude of people listen junior whatever you want to vision and dream about you go ahead and do it I'm with you we're going to do this together and we're going to watch God do something let's have some big dreams with a big God. Yeah. A vision has to have people. A vision, number two, has to be valuable. It means you have to write it down. If it's valuable, you write it down. Well, I don't think I need to. Okay, well, let's look at the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision down. Doesn't say down, but just put that in for emphasis. Make it plain that he may run that reads it. Vision has to be visible. It's not a vision if it's just in your head. It's not a vision if it's just in your head. It's only a vision once it comes from your head onto a tablet, an iPhone, an iPad, a piece of paper, you have 
to write it down. Make it plain. Go through it. Uh, exit out. Do it again. Make a rough draft. Make two rough drafts. Make three rough drafts. Get a vision. Make it plain. Know what God's speaking to you. Communicate with the Lord back and forth until you have a vision that he's put on your heart and it's no longer in your head, but it's on a piece of paper and you've plotted out the way to get this thing done. Someone said like this, vision is not what I see with my eyes open, but what I see with my eyes closed. You have to find vision and you have to write it down. Number three, vision must be big. It's gotta be big. George Bernard Shaw said, dream of things that never were and ask why not? Dream of things that never were and ask, why not? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Because if it's something that you can do, then it's not from God. Well, let me say that again. Some of you all were falling asleep. If your vision is something that you can do, then that's not a vision from God. What I mean by that is your vision has to be bigger than what you think is possible. That's what makes it a vision. If your vision is just something you can do, then what you really have is a project, not a vision. I have a vision to build a barn behind my house. Okay, well, that's probably not a vision. It's probably a project. I have a vision to build a barn for every farmer in America. Now you're probably talking. Or I have a vision to build a house for, for a family in Haiti, for a whole community in, in South America. I have a vision to, 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 to preach the gospel, you know, in another land for a, for a whole month at a time. Well, you know, now you're starting to do things that requires a little bit of God to be involved in. This is what we're talking about vision. If you can do it by yourself, it's just a project. That's why God had to take Abraham. He says, I want you to get out of your tent. I want you to look up into the heavens and I want you to count the stars. And he says, if you can, that's what God said, if you can. No one he couldn't. And he said, I will make your, your descendants, your legacy will be as great as the stars in the heaven. And that, see, don't you know that's how God wants to do it? He wants to blow your mind. He wants to, he gives you things that absolutely no way could be, ever be done unless God did it. Listen, we just, it was just three years ago, we were meeting in a little strip mall in Glen Lakes Village. We, we had no building, we had no plan, we had no money, we had nothing. But God, but God, but God, do, 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 you know, it's, I was talking with someone this morning. I said, well, hey, did you see the parking lot? I go, man, you know, when I think, they said, when I think about the parking lot, I see the parking lot, I look around, I see, man, only God could have done this. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. What if we'd have said, you know, listen, we don't have any money. We're just going to be stuck here. We're going to be stuck here in this place for the rest of our lives. Welcome to Summit, the people with no vision. Hey, glad you're here. We're broke. We have no place to go, but we're glad you're here. Come join us for this journey where we're going nowhere. Vision requires that you put your eyes ahead and you're looking at something only God could do. And we just say, this that you see is just the beginning. We're just scratching the surface of what God wants to do. Sir Edmund Hillary, the first climber of Mount Everett said this, when choosing your life vision, if there's no fear in it, you're gonna grow bored with it and you won't finish what you started. If you're not scared spitless about this vision you have, then it's probably not God. Your vision that God has for you and your family and your career and your life and your marriage needs to scare you. Yeah, that's good. Number five, 
Four. Vision will motivate you. Vision is going to motivate you. They did a study of people that retired early, but yet had nothing they were moving towards after they retired. They just retired, but they had no vision. And they found, the research found, that within three years, those people's health begin to fail. Why? Because we were born to move forward. We were not born to remain neutral and static, but, but to accomplish things that God has put in our path to do. You know, when, when God gives you a vision, you know what it's like? It's like a light that goes off in your, in your mind and your heart. It's just like, whoa, oh my goodness. Imagine, you know, being led, you know, blindfolded into a beautiful, uh, you know, a beautiful botan botanical garden or whatever, and you don't know where you're going, and they've captured you and kidnapped you, and, and, now, and then they, they open, they, they take off the blindfold, and you look around, and you go, oh, this is beautiful. That's what happens when vision comes to your life. It's like, like God flips the switch and, and light comes into your soul, into your heart, and you're, you wake up and you're excited about what could be if you just put your hand to it and, 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 and move forward because light lets you see the purpose and brings clarity into your life and it lets you see what you're doing and lets you see where you're going. You can't make your way and navigate through life very well when everything's dark, but you flip the switch and put vision into someone's life and suddenly they see where they're going and where everything needs to be and what they need to do next and how it all works. And that's what God desires to do with his people. Without a vision, people perish. With a vision, people will flourish. God is all desiring to give every one of us a vision. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and tell him you have vision. Will you do that? Come on, you got vision. Now turn to your other neighbor and tell him, let it out, let it go, come on. And number five, concerning vision, circumstances do not always line up with your vision. Circumstances do not always line up with your vision, Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak. Oh, I like that. In other words, you may not see it right now, but in the end, this vision is going to be talking. <laughs> It'll speak. It won't lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not Terry, every person that you, I'm not a person, but I, many characters that we talk about and fashion our lives about in the Bible were people that experienced vision early in their life, and then yet God was like silent. It was like, where, what happened? David, called by Samuel, the great prophet, prophet, you're going to be the next king of this nation. Yeah, well, 15, 16 years later, he's running from King Saul's living in a cave. He's like, what in the world? There's nothing close to being a king going on in my life. But if you'll wait for it, if you'll just wait for the vision, it will not, it will tarry for a moment, but it will come to pass. It will speak. It will not lie. Abraham, God calls Abraham out. He shows him all this that God's going to do. And he tells him, I'm going to give you a son. He's 75 years old. Are you kidding me? That's no Oh, God, only you could do this. That's right. And he, even at 75, right? If I was like, you know, maybe 30 or 40, I'd be like, okay, okay, well, let's get on. Let's go on. Come on. And 25 years from 75, he's still waiting. What is this, God? What is this, a mean trick? No, I'm just waiting. And then he has his child at the age of, what, 100 years old? How many know that though the vision tarry, it will come to pass? You don't fold up and don't give in. Joseph has a vision that he's gonna be a leader of a great nation. And he, again, just like David, 15, 16 years later, he's, he's still hammering. He's the furthest thing away from this thing ever happened. He's in jail for crying out loud. How in the world can anyone lead great nations from a jail? 
But God saw it. God can do it. Joshua, Caleb waited 40 years. Just wait on the vision and it shall come to pass. Don't throw in the towel. Quit looking at what you see in the natural. If God spoke it to you in your spirit, hang on to it, cherish it, guard it. Don't let anybody in. Don't let anyone grab it. Don't let any thought take it captive. You keep your vision and you walk and you run with it and you make it plain and you watch what God will do in the days and years and months to come. He'll do it. And number six, vision demands integrity. What good is it to have vision if you have no integrity? What good is it to have vision if you lie all the time? You say yes, but actually you mean no. You say no, you actually mean yes. What good is it to have vision if you stab people in the back or gossip about people, or steal from businesses or the government or other things like that? What good is it to have vision if you're not honest and a man full or woman full of integrity loves one another? We sat around our staff uh, several months ago and we just talked about this and what it would look down, wrote, wrote down what it would look like to, to be a people of character and integrity. And we just wrote down a few things. I'll just pass them on to you. Inter here's what integrity looks like, I believe. It looks like a people that will do what's right no matter what it costs. It looks like a people that value one another. It looks like performing at a high level of excellence. And never saying, we have a, a guy in our church, he owns his own business, and I, I think he, said, he has a sign on his wall, and it says, good is the enemy of excellence, or good enough is the enemy of excellence. I love it, and it's so true. Integrity looks like becoming disciplined in your decision-making, evaluating facts and praying, allowing God to speak into it, and then saying, okay, because I have a vision, that means I'm not gonna do this, but I am gonna do this. See, people without vision just do whatever they feel like doing, whenever they feel like doing it. They have no boundaries, there are no, there are no side rails in their life. And so they never accomplish the vision that God has, much less even know what it is. But when you have integrity, and you have side rails, and you know that there's some things I cannot do if I'm gonna accomplish this, then you can move forward. You know what else integrity looks like? It means being accountable to somebody. Having one or two people in your life that know you and can have honest conversations with, and they can hold you accountable, and they can say, look, dude, I'm gonna pull you aside. You know I love you, yeah. I can speak anything in your life. You, you can, can you take, yeah. Well, dude, dude, you need to stop this right here. This is wrong. This is, this is gonna hurt you in the long run. And you don't get upset about it. You don't get sideways. You don't, you, you don't abandon that relationship. You don't walk out of the church or whatever the situation is. You, you stay in and you thank God that there's people in your life that are speaking into your life. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to be accountable. Go ahead. Come on. You need to be accountable. Because that's what integrity looks like. It means maintaining an intense sense of curiosity. It means being transparent and Moving forward in life. Number seven, vision must elevate others. Vision must elevate others. Ephesians chapter six, verse eight. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. What's interesting about Joseph that we were talking about just earlier was even though he was in a, in, in a, in a foreign country, been prophesied, been, been declared through a vision that he was going to be a great leader. He has this vision. Now he's, he's in a Potiphar's house. He's in a, a foreign country in another man's house, and he's, he's, a, he's a servant, he's a slave. But what does he do? The Bible says that he elevates Potiphar's house, so much so that Potiphar didn't even care what happened in all of his household. He knew that Joseph had control, it was going to be good. And then he went from there to a jail cell. What did he do in the jail, in the prison? He made sure that the, 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 the warden uh, was helped and he helped uh, others interpret their dreams and he was always elevating people. He's always lifting people up. That's what happens when, when you have vision. You, you look to elevate others first before yourself. I mean, years ago, I, I was 19 years old. I began to realize that God had called me to preach and to pastor and things like that. And about the age 20, I had a little conversation with the Lord. I said, God, 
Here am I. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's get this thing going. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's move on. What's the plan? Crickets. Nothing. Hey, God, here I am. Hey, look at me. Hey, come on. I got a vision. Let's go. What do I need to do? Here's what God spoke to me. He made this very, very clear to me. He said, son, if you will sow into your youth pastor's field, then one day I'll give you your own field. So quit worrying about your field and your future and sow into someone else's. Let me just say it like this. If you don't have vision, then what you need to do is find, this, find someone that does have vision, lock arms with them, and help them fulfill their vision until God gives you your own vision. That's good right there. That was for, that was for the price of that coffee that you had for free right there. Find someone that does have vision and just hook arms with them. So I went to my youth pastor and I said, um, his name was Dave, and we had a youth, a youth group, about 250 kids. And I said to him, Pastor Dave, I said, listen, I want you to know I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a blessing. I just, I'm just, I'm here. And he goes, well, that's Thank you. Thank you, son. Appreciate it. And he walked on down. And uh, I was waiting to get a phone call, do something, you know, nothing. Two weeks went by, nothing. Finally, I cornered him in the hallway. Wouldn't let him get by. I said, Pastor Dave, excuse me. Remember that conversation we had two weeks ago? Yeah. I said, I'm here to serve you. Yes, yeah, I, I, some, yeah. Well, let's go. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, listen, I'm here to elevate you, to serve you and to bless you. And underneath my breath, I was saying, and I'm never gonna get blessed if I can't bless you, so let's go. You're stopping the progress here. He goes, well, you really mean that? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I need a ride to the airport. I'm going to speak out of town this next weekend. Can you give me a ride to the airport? I was there like an hour early. Car washed, clean, vacuumed inside, you know, waxed on the inside, armor old. I'm ready. Got my notepad next to me just because I got a bunch of questions you're going to ask him. And, and man, I'm ready. I'm taking him to the airport. I go home. I start taking care of their kids. I'm babysitting their kids. One Saturday morning, he comes out. I'm out there washing his car. He's like, what you doing? I said, I'm serving you. I mean, you don't have to do that. I know. But I want to. All right. Goes back inside. A couple Saturdays, comes back outside again. I'm out there in his garden. I'm hoeing his garden. I'm taking weeds out of his garden. What are you doing, JP? I'm weeding your garden. Well, you don't have to do that. I know. But see, I, I knew in my spirit, if I, could, if I could sow into another man's field, then God one day will put, give me a field. And I wanted a field. <laughs> and so he started letting me, he'd take charge of the offering. And started, then he started uh, putting me in charge of the welcome team and the ushers and all that kind of stuff. Then he started letting me lead the worship. Then he started letting me preach from time to time. Started letting me organize the youth camps and transportation and everything. And I was just serving service. I was just going crazy. I loved it. Some of the greatest days of my life. One day he calls me in his office. I thought, oh my goodness, what's wrong? I walk in his office. I say, yes, sir. He goes, Son, I just want you to know there's another church that's called, reached out, and they want you to come and be their youth pastor. Is that something you want to do? And I said, I don't know. Is that something you want me to do? He said, yes, I think it's a good thing for you to do. I said, well, then I'll go. And I packed up my bags and I headed out and I served in another man's field and God gave me my own field. That's how vision works. It elevates others. Number nine, number eight, vision must be protected. Are we number eight? Is that right? Yep. Number eight? It must be protected. When God gives you a vision, as Joseph found out the hard way, just don't start blabbing it out. I'm going to be the next president of the United States. I'm going to collect all your taxes. I'm going to be on TV all across the world. Oh. No, no, don't. Don't, don't share. Just pick one or two people that you love, you value, appreciate, that know, that have your heart, and share it with them. But don't, don't blab it out. Keep it to yourself. Write it down. Make it plain. 
Talk to one or two of your accountability partners and let them know what your vision is. Mary did that with Elizabeth. Esther did it with Mordecai. That's what we do. We let people in on our vision. And we allow them to speak into it, pray with us about it, and let God move through our lives. We are a people of vision. We invite you into this journey of visioning with us. And what I'm excited about our church on Vision Sunday is that you have joined and contributed your talents and your gifts and your skills and said, man, I'm all in. I just want you to see just a little nutshell through a video of what you did last year, looking back, 2022. And I'm going to come back and share a couple of things that we have in plan for 2023, and then then we're going to close. So can we go ahead and show that, that video, 2022, looking back. I want to say thank you. That's what we've done in one year. (laughs) It's amazing what a group of people can do if they decide to put their mind to it and join together. That's what God said about the Tower of Babel. He said, these people are building this tower, and, and as long as they're in unity, there's nothing that they can't do. And when God sees a people in unity, there's nothing that we can't do. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about the future. Thank you for what you've done. Let me give you a little glimpse of where we're heading. Then I'm going to show you one more clip, and then we'll pray and be dismissed. Here's what we're looking at 2023. What we realize in 2023 is that we need to establish a leadership pipeline. In order to get to the next level where we want to go, we want to attempt to, we're praying about it, praying with us about, and I'm saying it by faith, launching another campus We don't know where, but by fall of 2024, we would like to begin to see that happen. And in order to do that, we need to establish a leadership pipeline. So we're starting an intern, summer internship program this summer here at the church. You can find out more about it by talking to Pastor Rick. And then in the fall, we're starting a a residency program as well. And again, this is going to help us... um, identify people with a ministry call on their life and prepare them for missional opportunities and, and, um, 
and be able to affirm them in the call that God has placed upon their life and to help refine them. So we, when we start a campus, we have something to launch with. We have some people to send with. And uh, some people here in this room, you know, two years from now, you may be in another city helping launch and plant another campus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Some of you be like, man, that'd be amazing. That, that would be cool. And, and we want to start an after-school program this fall. And then perhaps we're looking at a summer program for kids in 2024. We're looking at starting possibly a Mother's Day Out program as well this year. And some of these things will depend on what happens when I share some things with you next month, but I'm gonna keep that tight to my belt. And we'll talk about a little bit more in a few weeks. We're looking at bringing in a power team. The youth's gonna be bringing in a power team from up north, there's a bunch of strength guys. They're going to be ripping phone books and blowing up hot water bottles and oohing and on high school students all around this area. We've got it all set up with different high schools. And they're going to come back on a Wednesday night and give a big thing and then give a salvation message. And our hope is to see many high school students come to Jesus, as well as come and do some of the things we already do. We're going to have our first young adult retreat this March. We're going to begin taking mission trips because of the coronavirus. We've been stalled out from doing that, but starting in the May, 1st of June, we're going to take our first trip to Guatemala. Uh, we're going to, uh, Rick and I are going to go down and Caleb and check out Costa Rica uh, for, uh, in the fall for a possible 2024 trip down there. We're going to continue our Operation Love Kids where we give away sneakers and backpacks and free, uh, free, uh, free uh, school supplies and haircuts and things like that. It was an incredible blessing to our community last summer. We're going to do it again this year. And as we're going to continue building our small groups, it's going to be a marvelous thing that's going to happen in 2023. We're going to watch the kingdom enlarge and expand. And um, eventually we will have to talk about you know, down the road, what's going to happen in our new piece of property uh, over there that we purchased, uh, the 25 acres as well. So anyway, that's a lot of good stuff happening in the future. Uh, take a big breath and go, woo, that's a lot going on. All right with you. Amen. Well, I want to conclude with this um, video clip. Um, I know it's kind, of, it's kind of a serious clip, but it really, I think, hits home to what vision is really all about. Because we have to understand, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, that we just have a small window of time left on this earth. I mean, eternity is forever. And what we do in this small sliver of what we call time in the middle of eternity has everything to do with what's gonna come afterwards. It's gonna have a lot to do with what happens with us in eternity. The Bible says that God gives out rewards to those in heaven. I believe there's gonna be rewards even. Not that we do things here on the earth for rewards in heaven, but, but that does happen. So I believe we need to take serious the life that we've been given and not take for granted the fact that we have such a great life. There's people that paid a price for the life we have. Some of you are familiar with the show Saving Private Ryan the movie. For some of you not familiar with it, it was a mother who had three boys and two of her boys in the World War II had already gotten killed. And when they found out that, about that, the military did not want her to experience grieving, losing three children in the war. So they sent a unit, they dispatched a unit to go find this boy, this last son left of this mother <clears throat> and bring him home to his mama so she would never have to suffer the loss of a third son. So they dispatched Captain John Miller and his team to go find Private Ryan and through the process of trying to find this man that they didn't know where he was at, they suffered many casualties, many of them died, gave their lives to find this young man. They were not only fighting against the Germans, but they were they were losing their life just to find another person that they didn't even know so his mama could be, could be okay. Finally, the last scene, they find the private and he refuses to go with them. And they're like, dude, we have given our lives to find you. He says, I'm not leaving my, 
not leaving my friends. Can't do it. And so they're forced to join him in this last battle over a bridge there and to keep the Germans from capturing this important bridge. And there, many of the others that had survived lost their lives. And finally, the Captain Miller is leaning up against the bridge, his back up against the bridge, had been shot and was about to die. And he's looking up at Private Ryan, the man that he had come to rescue. And he has a conversation with him. I want you to take note of this conversation. They're tank busters, sir, P-51s. Angels on our shoulders. What, sir? James. Earn this. I love history. I've been reading a lot of our history, heritage of our brothers and sisters that have gone before us. I was reading the 1500s. The Muslims had come in, the Ottoman Empire, and their goal was to destroy all of Christianity. I was reading this one story of this one city Syria, where they literally came in 25,000 brothers, Christian brothers and sisters that we'll see in heaven one day were slaughtered. The blood ran so deep down the streets of that city that they could hardly walk. Quarters of time filled with people that have gone before us they had vision, vision to take the gospel and the words of Jesus to all the world, to preach, to cast out demons, to raise the dead and heal the sick. They paid a price that you could live, a life filled with vision, not to consume it for yourself, not to live for the biggest better, newest thing, but to, but to build a, a trophy case of people's lives that have been rescued from the darkness of destruction and hell. People lay down their lives in great fashion so we could take what they've given us and give it to the world. So this morning, I ask you, earn it. Earn this thing. Earn it. The Bible tells us that the heavens are filled with a great cloud of witnesses. And I believe they're looking over the banisters of time into the earth I believe they're cheering us on. I believe they're probably saying, your vision's not big enough. There's more people to share. There's more souls to love. There's more miracles to be had. There's more things in the future that God wants to use you to do. So earn it, church. Earn it. 
greater love as any man than this. And he laid down his life for his brother. Not a brother that you love necessarily, but just a brother. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Prayer teams, if you could come up front. I just believe this morning that we're in a good place. We're in a place that desires to see God do big things. We haven't put God in a box. We, we make it very easy for God to do whatever God wants to do as a church, but as a person. The question is, is that true for you? Do you have a vision? Or if not, have you, do you know someone that does? Have you done everything in your power to, to elevate others until God gives you your own vision? Do you believe that there are things that you can do that can change the course of the world? Do you believe that your little acts of kindness can carry eternal weights? Yeah, I do. Father, right here, we sit and we ask you to fill our hearts with vision. Your vision, communicate to us, talk to us, God that we may write it down and make it clear, make it plain so we can run with it. We throw off every hindrance that so often besets us, every sin, every entanglement. We strip ourselves and we look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We run our race. Well, I don't know what Summit Church is gonna look like in five years. I can't wait though to see all the people that will be here, the marriages that will be rescued and souls saved, and dreams beginning to be realized. Young people, Lord God, newfound faith in Christ. I know it's gonna be big, it's gonna be good. And I know our community is gonna be affected by it. I pray you'll help us turn this community upside down. And when people think of Baldwin County, South Baldwin County, they don't think of a beach. They don't think of an amusement park. Or, but they think of a body of believers that have believed God for big things and where God, you show up show out and are faithful. Heal us of our small mindsets. Forgive us for thinking small. And for this, we give you the thanks and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This morning, you need salvation. If you need, listen, you can't, Vision doesn't start until you have Jesus. He's the one that gives you the vision. So we invite you to come down front. We'll have people down here praying for you. We'd love to pray with you. Love to give you a Bible when we're done and give you some material. I'll share this one last thing and then we'll be dismissed. You can all stand to your feet. And I'll share one last thing. So Andy Andrews, who lives here, I think in Orange Beach, some of you are familiar with him. And I, I got to go back and read it, but someone gave me like the cliff notes. They hear him do a great speech on the butterfly effect, which I think is really cool. And years, uh, a while back, I, I talked about um, the significance of um, George Washington Carver and the peanuts and all that he did for the South. But Andy Andrews brought out the fact that did... George Washington Carver saved the South? Or perhaps was it the uh, 
friend of his that showed him his botanical laboratory where he was able to make all of his experiments? Did he save the South? Or was it not him, but maybe his mother that made him go to school and learn about botany? Or maybe it wasn't the mother at all of the professor that had the laboratory that talked to George Washington Carver, but maybe it was the father who led that young mother eventually to the Lord. Or maybe it wasn't the father that saved the South that led his daughter that spoke to her son who spoke to George Washington Carver. Maybe it was, and you get the picture, a little act of kindness, a little act of love can go an awful long ways. Vision. Let's live with vision. 